really like how he put that hard G at the end. Good morning, G. <laughs> Good morning, G. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's going to be our Gus. intro. Good morning, Guff. <laughs> well, good morning, good evening, and good night. <laughs> yeah, this is take two because I don't know how to talk. Uh, Neither do I, but you know, we we're, we decided to do this. <laughs> yeah, we decided to do this with a friend today, by the way. Yeah. I'm your host, Nathan Smith. I'm Zach King. With our guest... David Pierce. Yeah! Pastor Dave. Pastor. And i got to remember to keep my voice down, because there are other people in the office today. Yep. Which is why I'm here. <laughs> Welcome. To, re- to remind him to keep his voice down? Yep. <laughs> That's valid. Yeah. Yeah, and, I get a little loud. And Which is why we recorded the last episode in our apartment, because <laughs> I definitely did not keep my voice down on that. Nope. Well... As promised, we are going over the last uh, five chapters, six chapters, last six chapters, five chapters, whatever it is. I can't count right. Uh, the last five chapters of Job. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's dig in. First, let's do a quick review. A quick little recap. So, so last, three friends. Yeah, last we left off, Job, his three friends, and Elihu, the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Or sitting there having this debate. Well, yeah, LFS, um, Bill Dad, and so far. Yeah. Elihu was there. He wasn't taking a part of the debate, and he was just like, okay, I'm done listening. Y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm done, and then told uh, Job and his friends basically his thoughts. He said, yeah. look at I'm, uh, what's the exact wording? He said, I'm the youngest one in the room. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, his anger burned against his three friends because they found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Right. So they took the Lord out of context. Right. And then he said, I am young in years and you are old, therefore I was shy and afraid to tell you what I think. I thought age should speak, but uh, it is the spirit of man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. So listen to me, I'm going to tell you what I think. And then... Which, by the way, so, uh, Elihu showed wisdom beyond his years by listening to older people speak first. Then he realized they were not saying the right things. And he was like, okay, all right, listen here. Blah. Yep. But then the Lord essentially cuts off Elihu. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because Elihu ends with, therefore men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise of heart and then boom the lord answered job out of a whirlwind yep what's a whirlwind or tornado (laughs) yeah imagine that you're just that's pretty wild job and the three friends and elihu all of a sudden boom if you read um if you read in 37 um Elihu has some really, or even uh, going back into 36, Elihu has some really interesting statements um, that kind of give an indication that there is actually a storm that is presently brewing. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Uh. So 36, 27, he starts talking about the hydrological cycle. 
He draws up the drops of water. They distill rain from the mist, which the clouds pour down. They drip upon man abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his lightning about him, covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges peoples. He gives food in abundance, covers his hands with the lightning, and commands it to strike the mark. Its noise declares his presence. The cattle also concerning what is coming up. Huh. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that goes out from his mouth. Uh, his lightnings to the end of the earth. He thunders with his majestic voice. God thunders with his voice wondrously. Verse 5. Um, verse 6. To the downpour and the rain, he says, be strong. Uh, verse 9. Out of the south comes the storm. Out of the north the cold. From the breath of God, ice is made and the expanse of the waters is frozen. Also with moisture, he loads the thick clouds. He disperses the cloud of his lightning. Listen to this, O Job. Stand and consider the wonders of God. Do you know how God establishes them and makes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know about the layers of the thick clouds? Uh, can you with him spread out the skies? Uh, bum, 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 bum. Uh, hmm. Now men do not see the light which is bright in the skies, but the wind has passed and cleared them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. Around God is awesome majesty, the Almighty. We cannot find him. He's exalted in power. He will not do violence to justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise of heart. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. So there's some hmm. kind of indication right. that there's a, a real and torrential and ginormous storm that either has been brewing through much of this conversation right. or in Elihu's discourse there's a storm that is coming and is surrounding them and and Elihu has the proper view of God uh, when he sees this storm right. and, and it's really uh, a high and lofty view mm-hmm. um, and it's really majestic as he describes this storm and then God shows up in His power and in His grace. Right. Really. Um, so the the fascinating thing about um, about Job thirty eight through the end, um, if you if you ignore the rest of the Bible, then it seems really disconnected, right. and it seems mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Uh, really harsh, and it seems that God is almost being a cosmic bully. But there's a doctrine here that is phenomenally important for the creature to understand. And it's the doctrine of the creature and creator distinction. Right. Right. The creature-creator distinction. Mm-hmm. Or creator-creature, uh, if you want to uh, put them in their right order. The creator-creature. Uh, and this goes back to Genesis 1.1. Right. Uh, in the beginning, yeah. God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Um, so many times in Genesis 1 and 2, then God said, and there was. Then God said, and there was. Mm-hmm. And the, the creative means that God uses to create the universe is his voice. Yep. He simply speaks, and it begins existing. Which on its own is fascinating. Right. Uh, every single piece of God's creation obeys Him instantly and implicitly, uh, without question, mm-hmm. right. except for mankind and the angels. Right. Those that are, those that are given the ability to make choices, choices. yeah, uh, don't make the right choice. 
So the question of uh, the doctrine of creator-creature and the distinction between the two of us uh, really gets to the, the issue of origins, but then also accountability. Mm-hmm. If we came from nothing, if we came from right. goo by way of the zoo and we got to you, uh, it's Answers in Genesis. Uh, Ken like Ham, he, he put that together. Uh, it's locked in my brain, but so not original with me. I love but Ken if Ham. that's how we got here, if we're just a cosmic burp, then we're not accountable to anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. We're accountable to perhaps the society, perhaps the common good, perhaps our own self-interest. But if there isn't a creator, then we're not accountable. Right. And, and so all through the scriptures, God is elevated and magnified as the creator to whom everyone must give an account. Uh, and, yeah. and to kind of further that point, if, if what the ancient Greeks, Romans, and uh, you know Nordic peoples, the Norse mm-hmm. believed was true, where there was a host of gods that came together and created the, you know, the cosmos, the world, and the people... If you look at like you know, especially Greek, the Greek pantheon, the Greek mm-hmm. stories, um, Zeus is n- not entirely a good person. No, no, no way. So, if the ruler of the gods, Sky Father, is not the best person, why should I follow his commands? Why should I sacrifice to him? You know, right. right. Yeah, he's just a, yeah. a powerful a... divine schmuck. That's, yeah, yeah, that's all he is. He's basically me that can throw around lightning bolts, but you know. <laughs> so the idea of God being the the creator, and and that distinction, uh, right. it shows up in two really powerful ways in Acts. In Acts four, Peter and John are arrested for preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're brought into the the Jewish officials, and they were threatened. Um, and so picking up in the very middle, uh, Acts 4.23, when they, Peter and John, had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they, the companions, heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, and this is such a profound uh, where are we at? Verse 24. This is such a profound prayer. Because in the very middle of having been beaten, threatened, arrested, um, the, the very seeds of, of persecution of the early church, mm-hmm. their prayer is, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, the Creator. who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David your servant said why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things the kings of the earth took their stand the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur so there's a recognition that the things that are currently happening are a fulfillment of Psalm 2. 
It's a direct right. yeah. quotation of Psalm 2. Uh, so they're, they're in the middle of being, uh, they've been imprisoned, they've been released, and their prayer is appealing to God as the creator and the, the knower of all, the maker of all, the supreme authority. And from there, verse 29, And now, Lord, take note of their threats, Grant that your bond servants, that's them, mm -hmm. may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God with boldness. Their fruit and their success in their ministry is, is largely connected to their position that they mm. rightfully understood that right. they had a low creaturely perspective a low creaturely position and they were accountable to God the maker of heaven and earth right. and it was because of him and because of his servant Jesus his mm -hmm. son Jesus that was the only way that they were able to preach with boldness right um, so having that right perspective the, the creator-creature distinction um, makes a tremendous difference here at the beginning of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, and even so, uh, one chapter later in chapter 5 of Acts, uh, we, get, uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> we get a Pharisee, uh, Gamaliel. Uh, Acts 5, uh, I'll start in verse 38. So in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan is, if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. Verse thirty-nine. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overcome, overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. They were persuaded by him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, y'all, that was one of the few times that one that one of the Pharisees actually said something kind of smart. Yeah, we did have our our previous episode was about uh, roasting the Pharisees and yeah. how they don't uh, have a proper view of God. Yeah, huh? It's kind of an interesting theme here. Yeah, kind of an interesting theme. Having a proper view of God and right, you know, worshiping Him and the if way only that God he deserves. would like properly reveal Himself adequately so that we might know Him and have a relationship with Him and understand His character. Oh man! Wait a minute! Oh yeah. Uh, that's right. He kind of uh, did that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Job thirty-eight one just does say God came down in a whirlwind. So he's the amount, the, the appearances that God has in the Bible is absolutely incredible. Right. They're all miracles. Um, but okay, that begs the question: How many times do we forget God anyway? Or not worship him when he deserves to be worshipped, or choose to worship other things, or get caught up in our own anxieties, in our own, oh, God put me in this position, why, why God? And then we look at 38 verse 2 of Job, and he says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man, mm -hmm. I will ask you, and you instruct me. So what's the, having that proper view of God, that mm -hmm. he's the creator, 
and we're the creature. Job mm-hmm. is the creature. Uh, it's been 30 some odd chapters of these guys going round and round, yeah. arguing about whether God is the rewarder of the righteous and the punisher of the wicked. Um, arguing about whether or not Job has done something wrong. Job seems to believe in his own mind that he's not done anything wrong, and he has so many complaints against God. And in, in a tremendous act of grace, God shows up and reminds Job that he is the creature. Mm-hmm. And it is not right and it is not fitting for the creature to challenge and to rebuke the creator. Right. Yeah. And it's not to say that we aren't allowed to ask questions of God. Right. He invites us to ask questions. Uh, in Isaiah, he says, come, let us reason together. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's tremendous value in asking questions of the scriptures. Yeah. But that attitude of faith and that, that posture of humility is what makes all the difference. And Job, by this point, has perhaps in some ways stood up and and is challenging God, and he needs to be brought low. Mm-hmm. And, and God, as the creator, shows up in a, in a miraculous and powerful way, asks him a series of uh, what I counted just a moment ago, at least... 54 questions in chapters 38, 39, and 40. Uh, 40. Here we go. Yeah. Um, God asks Job roughly 54 questions. And listen, that was just me doing a, a quick and dirty. Uh, I counted how many question marks I could see. <laughs> and then if a line looked like it was a compound sentence, I counted that as two questions. Okay, so right. 38 Chapter 38, verse 31. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? One question, two components. Mm-hmm. I'm counting that as two questions. Right, right. Uh, and, and I probably okay, missed is. some. So this is not an exegetical analysis of how many questions God asked Job. Mm-hmm. It was uh, enough that Job was reminded of his small stature. Right. And it was enough that he takes the proper posture of a creature, right. mm-hmm. and and that's what that's what was missing in in the other guys' counsel and their advice, and that's what was present in Elihu's advice, um, right. and and it's really uh, it's what it's the posture and the attitude that Job had early on, mm-hmm. right. When he said to his dearly beloved wife, shall we not accept good things from the Lord and also the bad things? Right. Uh, right. You know. and, and she decided that, you know, no, just curse God and die. <laughs> so, if you find a wife who has that attitude, uh, uh, if you find a girl who has that attitude, don't make her your wife. Exactly. Uh, and if you have a wife who has that attitude... Um, pray for a thunderstorm like Job and his friends experience. <laughs> she needs to be, we all need to be questioned by God appropriately. Yeah. Uh, so Job gets put in his proper spot uh, and he comes to the 
humble position, not humiliated. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in the technical sense of being humility, humility in the low in sense, the low. not yeah. shame. Uh, Job uh, chapter forty verse three ish. Then Job answered yeah. the Lord and said, "Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you?" Good start, man. Really good start. Yeah. I lay my hand on my mouth. Mm-hmm. A way of saying, I'm done talking. Once I have spoken, he's acknowledging that he did the speaking, and I will not answer. Even twice, and I will add nothing more. Mm -hmm. He's recognizing that he has no answer. All of the questions that God asks, the, the implied answer is that Job doesn't know. Do you know when the mountain goat... Gives birth to its young. What? No, he doesn't. Can you bind the cords of the Pleiades? Uh, No, I can't. Can you call down snow from heaven? No. Nope. Nope. So he finally gets it. uh, Yeah. And he's made aware of the proper posture of the preacher. He still hasn't repented yet, though, at that point. No. Which is kind of what what I think God keeps going after that chapter 38 verse 21 is interesting to me he says it says don't you know you you were you were already burned you have lived so long so God that's that's after first God's first like series of intense questioning of Job and he goes he goes on Job and he's like don't you know you were already there you were there you were there when it happened you you were born don't you know Job (laughs) Yeah. Hey, sometimes we need to be reminded of that too, though. Yeah. yeah the sarcasm um, is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it it really shows up uh, in in really clear ways. The age being one of them. Yeah. Uh, and and it's you kind of feel bad for Job a little bit because he's kind of getting beat up on by God. Mm-hmm. You're right. But he's not. Uh, he's yes, being no. put in his proper place, and and he, Job, as well as all of us, need to be mm-hmm. reminded often who God really is. Yeah, as He has revealed Himself, not as we have constructed Him right. in yeah. our mind. Um, There's a really good point. Um, so, chapter thirty-nine, God starts. Um, kind of just starts describing himself the way he acts through uh, through animals and that kind of thing. So 39 verse 13 says, uh, The ostrich's uh, wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love, for she abandons her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust, and she forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers, though... Uh, yeah, though her labor be in vain, she is unconcerned because God has made her forget wisdom and has not given her a share of understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Um, and then goes in about talking about the horses, um, quivers, uh, the quiver rattles against them, the flushing spear and javelin, uh, doesn't turn, doesn't turn away from, um, uh, calamity or, or war, really. Um, 
And from Job's perspective, that kind of stuff would look like God doesn't care. But if you look at the context, um, especially the context of the time and the geographical location, ostriches in the East, the Middle East, are um, the, 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 the bird of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of people don't don't, don't remember that, uh, and so you look at this uh, with the pinion and plumage of love. It's hinted to referred to there. Says she abandons her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust. God's talking about the temperature. Right. There's no need for her to sit on the egg. If she sits on the eggs in a hundred degree weather. Her eggs are going to overheat and they'll die. So if she flies away, then the eggs will be naturally warmed. And it's out of love that she doesn't sit around them. She just flies around them and makes sure that they're protected, even though it looks like they might get crushed. Now you apply that to Job. God's allowed things to happen to Job out of love and really refinement. Right. And if you look at uh, chapter 42 when God blesses Job, um, even more so, and we'll get there, but you look at how God blesses Job at the end of the book, probably appreciated God a little bit more and not quite all the stuff that he was given. You know? Job... Job appreciated God a lot more, worshipped him properly, had a proper view of him, not just the view of him that he's the vending machine in the sky. Right. I don't know. I, I, I thought that was a yeah. cool snippet that the Lord put in there. Something I noticed throughout the, throughout this whole God questioning Job, you know, these... As you said, David, these 50-plus questions that God is asking Job. Mm -hmm. God is asking Job about intricate details of his creation. Yeah. (laughs) That's a light way of putting it. (laughs) That's that's a light way of putting it. These questions are about the, honestly, the tiniest of details in the whole of creation. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, Job, can you... You know how the mountain goat, you know. Can you count... The billy goat. You know. You know. Can you count the months they are pregnant, you know. Mm-hmm. Right? It's... The whole thing can be summarized uh, in chapter 40, verse 2. Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let whom him who reproves God answer it. Let me say that in a, a little bit more... Uh, probably closer to the tone that God might have used. Oh, hey, will the fault finder? Hey, Job, 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 listen here. Will you contend with the Almighty? Oh, you know what? You reprove me. You know what? So just, you know, answer the questions. You do it, Job. Do it. Oh, I'm insignificant. I lay my hand on my mouth. Oh, no, no, Job, I'm not done with you yet. You, you, you don't get it yet, bud. Um, I'm God. And he keeps going. Uh, yeah, chapter 40, verse 8. Would you really <laughs> challenge my justice, Joe? <laughs> Would you declare me guilty? 
to justify yourself. <laughs> Guess what? It don't That's work. what the Pharisees did. Oops. <laughs> but behold, I'm insignificant. Um, chapter 40, verse 4. Behold, I'm insignificant. What can I reply you? I lay my hand on my mouth. When do we see this happen before? Well, if you go to chapter 21, verse uh, verse 5. Um, so Job uh, replies to his friends. Uh, he says, listen carefully to my speech and let this be your way of consolation. Bear with me that I might speak. Then after I've spoken, you may mock. As for me, is my complaint to man, and why should I not be impatient? So he's getting very self-righteous here. Um, look at me, verse 5, look at me and be astonished and put your hand over your mouth. Even when I remember I am disturbed and horror takes hold of my flesh. Why do the wicked still live, continue on, also become very powerful? Um, and then he talks about the, how the wicked prosper. Um, but he has this attitude of, I'm the pious one. I'm the one speaking here. You guys be quiet. And then we go back to chapter 40. And after God, quite frankly, gently, because he could have done it a lot harsher. But after God reminds Job of who he is, then Job says, yep, I'm done. Yeah, I lay my hand over my mouth. And it's important to remember that in chapters 1 and 2, uh, chapter 1 begins with calling Job blameless. Mm -hmm. When uh, the Satan, when saying... The enemy, yeah. When the enemy comes up, God says, Have you considered my servant Job, who is, right, who is upright and blameless? So, by the time the, the conversation starts, or at the time the conversation starts, Job is... Job has not done anything. Really. Yeah, when it starts. When it starts. Ch chapter 3, as we said in our last episode on Job, mm -hmm. he starts to slide and he just goes on this downward spiral of... Of self-righteousness. Of self-righteousness. And to be fair, his friends aren't helping the situation either. <laughs> well, that's why everyone gets rebuked. <laughs> but Except for Elihu. We have to remember, too, Job didn't have the first two chapters. Yeah, Job didn't have that. He didn't know he was about to get cooked. And there was no reason in his mind for it to happen to him because he had been, in God's own words, he had been an upright and, and righteous person. Right. That That's God's own words um, in, in chapters 1 and 2. But Job didn't have that context. Now, as for us, we do. Right. So do we have an excuse? When we see things happening, stuff is going on, do we have an excuse? No. No, because God's already told us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Job knew... Uh, Job knew quite a bit about God, though. Uh, not the chapter 1 and 2 stuff, mm -hmm. but um, if... If Job, if the events in Job occurred after the flood and before Abraham, then Job would have understood 
the Noahic Bible. Yeah. Right. The the testimony and the and the true record and account from Noah mm-hmm. as he repopulated Earth's civilizations. This is true. And mm-hmm. and Job would have been in that world and known who the creator is and known that there's an enemy. So he he may not have known all of the specifics, but he knew enough. Right. Um, when you connect that with Romans one, that man mankind is without excuse because God has made it evident to him. Mm-hmm. Right. He's revealed his both his divine nature and his eternal power right. in the things that God has made. Uh, Job knew enough. He he obviously believed in some form of sacrificial system, mm-hmm. some form of atoning for the sins of others, and some kind of substitutionary atonement to some mm-hmm. extent. Uh, so he knew enough, and, and he can go off of that, um, which is really interesting when, when we get the inside scoop on chapters 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. We know what's going on when Job doesn't. Right. When Job knows enough. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, chapter two, know. verse ten is is just beautiful. Uh, he said to her, "You speak as one of the foolish women speaks." Right after his wife says, "Curse God and die." <laughs> yeah. So indeed, accept good from God and not accept adversity. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Yeah, up to that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. So even without the details, he still should have known and remembered God's character. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay, so coming back to chapter 40 and then moving forward... uh, The Lord continues to challenge Job. Um, 47. uh, Now gird up your loins like a man. I will ask you and you instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Because Job has become self-righteous and is... um, And he even outright says it at the end of his eulogy, basically. Um, Or do you have an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with eminence and dignity and clothe yourself with honor and uh, majesty. Are you God? Yeah. Is the question. Um, Can you look down on everyone who is proud and humble him and tread down on the wicked where they stand? Hey, Job. Can you look down on the proud? Oh, wait. You're being proud, buddy. Um... Chapter 41, he keeps going. Can you draw out a Leviathan with a fish hook? A Leviathan like a sea dinosaur right. is what that is. Um, can you press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope on his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Um, and he keeps asking these questions. And like right before, right before Joe, uh, God, right before in chapter forty, right before chapter forty-one starts, mm-hmm. where God starts describing uh, Leviathan. Yeah. Uh, 40, 40 to fifteen, 
Yeah. Look at Behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like cattle. Look at the strength of his back and the power and the muscles of his belly. Another dinosaur. Yeah. He stiffens his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs are woven firmly together. So, mm -hmm. from from 40 to 15 and into, you know, 41, mm -hmm. God is describing the, the, just these two, like, massive creatures. Yeah. Uh, is it two, or is it just one creature? Behemoth it's, and it's, Leviathan. Oh, behemoth. Yeah, there's two in there. Sorry. Yeah, there's two. I didn't see that. Yeah. It's incredible. Now, here's a side note. Dinosaurs living among men. Oh, that's not a problem at all. <laughs> no, that's not a problem. It's not a problem. No, because they're made on day five and six of creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they're not just some prehistoric pre-man thing. No, that's right. not how that works. And the, the Dinosaurs the and men live together. The timeline from the, the the week of creation to Noah's flood, if I remember correctly, is I think two thousand years. This is me guessing and pulling back from the big dark depths of my brain. <laughs> I think it's about two thousand years, maybe fifteen hundred. Right. Um, but even if you even if you just look at the chronology in in Genesis five, Genesis, yeah. you've got Adam, uh, who's created, mm -hmm. has a son Seth at one hundred and thirty, mm -hmm. I think it's one hundred and thirty, and then lives yeah. to be nine hundred and thirty years old after that. Yeah, old dude, uh, and it isn't too much longer after Adam dies mm -hmm. that the flood comes in. Right. Uh, so yeah, a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred years at the most. Um, so to suppose that uh, it, it's not unreasonable that Job and his friends would understand what this creature is. Mm -hmm. uh, dinosaurs would have been on the ark. Uh, yeah. Would have been. Would have been brought on two by two, just like all the other animals. Right. Uh, adolescence, the average size of most of the dinosaurs was about the size of a sheep, uh, not a fully grown ginormous thing. Right. Uh, and then coming off of the ark and onto the newly reformatted earth, yeah. uh, they would be repopulating and growing and mm -hmm. still big. Uh, but it's not unreasonable to think that Job would understand. Uh, what God was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible the description um, yeah. the Lord gives. And again, in it, intricate detail. Very intricate detail. So, which kind of helps us. Yeah. But even even so, we can also know too. I mean, yes, the Lord gave us the description right here. But they've also found. Even as far back as a couple hundred years, they found um, dinosaur flesh. Right. And, like, in the, you know, buried and everything, but they found dinosaur flesh. So we actually still have dinosaur DNA. Right. So I'm just saying, with yeah. the sequencing and stuff we can do now, just a scientific yep. blurb. I don't know. Um, 
Alright, and then we get to the very end. Yeah. And Job finally says, okay, we're done. Um, 42.1. 42, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. That's a pretty big repentance. Uh, repenting in dust and ashes. Job knows, Job, Job realizes the position where he's in in comparison to God. He got it. Mm-hmm. He, he finally got it. Um, he started to see it the first time in 40, mm-hmm. verse 3, and, and he's seeing it more, uh, and he finally uh, relents, repents, and uh, and takes that that creaturely perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, he retracted everything. And then after that, uh, for, right away after that. Yeah, after, in verse 7. Uh, go for it. If, if yeah. You are, yeah. Jo, uh, yeah, it says, in verse 7, jo, after, after the Lord had finished speaking with to Job, he said to Eliphaz, Eliphaz the Temnite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Job has said, I was dumb, I am sorry, mm-hmm. forgive me. And God turns to Eliphaz and his friends, you're dumb, here's what you have to do to get forgiven. Yep. And notice here that God says, I am angry with you and your two friends. Mm-hmm. He never says anything to Elihu. <laughs> because yeah. Elihu had... Elihu was right. Yeah, Elihu in his discourse had, had actually made good points. Mm-hmm. But then God just came in and said, all right, I'm going to take care of this. Uh, yeah. And then verse 8, now therefore take... For yourselves, seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job. So he he just got done bringing Job back to earth, right? Uh, both metaphorically and hey, Job, you're a creature. Uh, right. Speaking, sorry. Uh, so he says, go to my servant Job. So he goes back to kind of building him back up, and offer a burnt offering for yourselves, and my servant Job will pray for you. Uh, for I will accept him so that I may not do with you according to your folly because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So the Lord, the Lord's holding back. He's upset. And he says, if you guys go make it right and do exactly what I tell you to right now, you're forgiven and it's let go. But if you don't, also, (laughs) also, um, also. This is really interesting. Notice how God says, go to my servant Job. Mm-hmm. Hey. My servant Job will pray for you. Hey. Doesn't a priest kind of do that? Is yeah. It? Hey, you three. <laughs> That's what he did early on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the sons and daughters. 
God goes, hey, you three, you remember that guy you were talking about, about take these, these seven, these 14 animals, go to him, and he'll pray for you. That's a lot of animals for one sacrifice. Yeah. God must have been pretty upset. That's normally 14, it's like a sheep. That's 14 animals each. Yeah, that's right. It would be each, isn't it? Yeah. Take for yourselves seven bulls. Uh, and verse 9 how says, How many animals would that be? Uh, 14. 14 times 3. 20. So 128? 14. No, 20, that's wrong. I can't math. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Where's the count? 42. 42. I, I, I can't math. Huh. 15 times 3 is 45. 42. Yeah. Minus one each. Wait a second, 42. According the to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The universe and everything, so. <laughs> Is that where they got it from? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there are... So when we screw up... There are 42 <laughs> chapters in Job. I think like 42... Oh, hey, there's 42 chapters in Job, there's 42 <laughs> animals, the 42 is the... Exactly. That's called a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's called eisegesis. Pretty, pretty sure that's adding words to the text that aren't in the text. I repent. Just a Dust guess. and ashes. Uh, I don't have to find 42 animals. And But they did it. Look at uh, 42, <laughs> verse 10. After Job had prayed, Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. Mm -hmm. he, he restores and increases uh, everything. Right. Okay, so then, you know, 42.10, the Lord restores the fortune of Job um, after he prays, right? Yeah, we're laughing. We took a break for a second yeah, talking right. about wood stain. Yeah. <laughs> it's all brown. It's just different shades of brown. <laughs> Oh, my that that kind of hurts, but I'll, I'll, I'm not going you know to argue right. it. You know I'm right. I, I, that's one lesson you can take from the book of Job. Uh, just <laughs> sometimes how you gotta get the, here again. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, creator uh, creature distinction. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is a very important At least Job got his color straight. I mean, they, oh, okay, <laughs> hold on. They didn't. I don't know if they had stain back then. That's no. Move they, on. There's no you're, way they, they didn't did have that. color back then. It was all black and white. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. You're, black, you're, the color wasn't invented until late 20th, middle 20th yeah, century. It, you remember when it was black and white? Do you, David? I do. I do. I was there. Unlike Joe. It was until Technicolor came in, and like yeah. you know. Anyway. Um, yep. Forty-two eleven. <laughs> Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him, and they bred with him, and in uh, yeah, bred with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him a one piece of money, and each a ring of gold. Pardon me. So his real friends come over, and have a housewarming party. He's like. Hey, it's my boy. Um, after Job finally admits, hey, I'm wrong, and right after he gets done praying, mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then the Lord blesses him a lot. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. Um, Jemima, Keziah, and Karen Hapuch. I'm not even going to bother to try to pronounce those correct. Oh, you got it. Hepuch. Yeah. It's like the... Yeah, close enough. Clear your, clear your throat. Throw some <laughs> consonants and vowels in there. You got it. Somebody a little bit of, um, you know... Somebody you know, described that as the Hebrew hairball right. uh, not too long ago. Yeah, got to cough it up a little bit. Um, and in the land uh, were found... In all the land, no women were found. So Pharaoh's Job's daughters and their father uh, gave them inheritance among their brothers. So they all got equal inheritance, which of that day would have been not quite so much. Um, not quite so much uh, for the women as for you know, the, the men in the family. And so that, that's actually kind of a big deal, culturally speaking. Um, Job lived 140 years and he saw his sons and his grandsons four generations. He was an old dude. Job died an old man and full of days. And that's it. God's faithfulness. One side note, I've always wondered this, especially since I've been reading First um, Samuel War. Uh-huh. David, you might have an opinion on this. Okay, First Samuel 1. Uh, there's a certain man from Rem... That word, Ramathaim, Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf. Is that the same I Elihu? Doubt it. Doubt uh, it? Yeah, doubt it a lot, because... Job dies at 140. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah, the time one doesn't. That, that length of age, um, when, you go to, um, when you go to Genesis 9 and 10, after the descendants of Noah, mm-hmm. trying to do the math here on it. Uh, um, Genesis 11. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the age of mankind slowly gets less and less. less, and less. Noah's about 900-something uh, after the flood when mm-hmm. he dies. And then his descendants, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, they Order live for... Uh, several hundred years um, and it gets less and less so that by the time you get to Abraham mm-hmm. uh, he's 120 when he dies yeah. so strictly going off of, off of the, um, the the death rate mm-hmm. or the age at death right. it puts Job after the flood and before Abraham mm-hmm. um that's not to say that isn't the only reason right. 
shepherds including that. And um, also, but but when by the time you get to Samuel, um, it's been a while. The the tribes have been established. The uh, you had several hundred years in Egypt. You've had forty years of wandering. You've had mm-hmm. several hundred years in the cycle of the judges. That's right. Um, That's right. And and we're coming to the very end of the cycle of the judges yeah, by the time you get to Samuel. Samuel. Yeah, Samuel was the last judge, if I remember right. right. Mm-hmm. So quite a bit of time in between Abraham and uh, Samuel. Right. So not likely to be the same guy. Uh, I'm I'm taking the age right. of Job at his death and and that putting that in the place where it most realistically could fit. Yeah. Um, say what you will about the ages of people, and and there's there's arguments that the genealogies in Genesis aren't canonical. I think that's bogus. Yeah. Jesus believed in I, a literal interpretation of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, the ages that we have are it has to uh, be. They're reliable. They're it, it's a consistent genealogy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I just saw it and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's the same name." But it also would be probably a common name it, yeah. for that culture and too, it, probably. Another reason I might it's unlikely is, while we can somewhat confidently put Job between uh, the time of Noah and the yeah. flood and the time of Abraham, the, in the time of Abraham You'd and have to an old dude. Israel, you know, getting started and off the ground. A we, few times. A few times. <laughs> we we really haven't. The the text the the book of Job itself really doesn't have a concrete placing in that within that time frame you know right it could have been relatively yeah. soon after Noah or relatively uh, later it could have been relatively soon before Abraham or right uh, it's an old book yeah Job we really don't have a concrete uh, point where that we can say this is where exactly in the timeline Job took place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all we've got for today. We're running up against our time here. So, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of the Kingsmith Podcast. We're super excited. So glad that you could join us today. Yep. We're thankful for David Pierce. Yeah, thank you, David. Thank you, David, for (laughs) joining us. You're welcome. uh, You know, uh, uh, talking job with us you know yeah yeah did some application yeah this is a really interesting book i i advise everybody to read job at least once maybe twice mm-hmm. i'm going through my second time right now and it's amazing yeah so many lessons so, so many, many lessons. reminders all right mm-hmm. and with that peace out yo peace <laughs>